just trying to shoot the moon Using everything we've got that's just peas and a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for the modern magical soul, exploring tarot, astrology, belief, and more from a queer witch, that's me, in conversation with folks making magic from the margins. I'm your host, Claire Burgess. Let's make some magic. Hello friends, witches, otherlings. I'm here today with a special bonus mini episode for Transgender Awareness Week. Um, That's right, this week is all about transgender awareness, which includes uh, gender non-conforming people like myself. Um, For those of you who didn't pick up on this yet, uh, (laughs) um, I identify as non-binary. I go by the pronouns they and she, Um, and I am uh, also in love with and getting married to a transgender man. So this is a subject, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and so I um, am really excited to uh, share this little extra episode with you this week. Um, I've put together uh, something uh, special, incorporating various voices and viewpoints um, from myself, from my partner, um, from a couple others, um, in the hopes of raising visibility for trans folks to see themselves represented um, and to raise awareness to fight misinformation and transphobia, and um, hopefully also to give uh, cisgendered allies. Um, some uh, tools for how to help us. Um, So yeah, here we go. All right, so first a little bit of a PSA with some info and numbers and vocabulary. So uh, for those who don't know, there are about one and a half million transgender people in the United States, um, and that's an estimate as of 2016. So There's tons of us. (laughs) We're everywhere. Transgender simply means that a person's gender identity or expression is different from their sex assigned at birth. Uh, Transgender can include genderqueer people, uh, including non-binary, gender fluid, agender, pangender, third gender, two-spirited people, etc., Transgender is different from intersex, which describes people born with physical sex characteristics that don't match binary notions of male and female bodies. Intersex people are not necessarily transgender, although they can also be transgender too. <laughs> Cisgender is a term that simply describes people who uh, whose genders do match their sexes assigned at birth. So if you were uh, assigned female at birth and you identify as a woman now, you would be a cisgender person. Uh, Binary refers to the patriarchal concept that there are only two gender manifestations, male and female. And often this idea coincides with the notion that the gender um, of a person is dictated by their sexual organs and not by their spirit. 
Trans has nothing to do with sexual orientation. Trans people can be straight, gay, bi, asexual, whatever, just like cisgendered people can. Some transgender people uh, choose to take hormones or to get gender affirmation surgery um, in order to help them express who they truly are. Um, But some people don't pursue surgery and don't take hormones and are still also transgender. Uh, So surgery and hormones does not a transgender person make. Transgender people also face discrimination in the workplace, in accessing healthcare, in uh, applying for housing, in almost any realm of life that you can think of. Uh, And currently, there are no federal protections to uh, keep transgender people from being discriminated against. Uh, There are, I believe, 22 states states that on the state level have anti-discrimination laws to protect trans people. But that leaves a whole lot of states where a trans person can be denied access to housing or health care or be uh, refused from a job simply because they're trans. (laughs) Simply because they're trans. So... Hey, that's just one of the reasons why this week is so important. So important. Nobody in the United States, in in the world, uh, should be discriminated against because of their gender identity. It's 2018, (laughs) y'all. Let's do better. So now that we have some vocabulary established, um, I want to go ahead into um, some uh, trans and gender nonconforming voices. Uh, First up, I'll have an interview with my partner, the love of my life, Aaron Caffey, (laughs) Um, where he's going to, uh, he agreed to graciously sit down with me to share some about his experience as a transgender man. Um, And then after that, um, I'll have a a piece of my interview with Harvey James of Harvey James Tarot, in which they talk about their work with trans ancestors. Um, And then lastly, after that, I'll share a bit about my own experience with gender um, and being genderqueer and non-binary. But first, my interview with Erin. Here's my babe. So uh, what's it like to be trans? Man, that is... (laughs) Quite a question. Easy question. Super, <laughs> Super easy. easy. Soft, I can just question. say it's great. <laughs> it's great. Uh, well, what is it like to be trans? Uh, well, I would say from a personal, my personal experience is that for me, it's fantastic because I finally feel like I am who I am. It took me a very long time to discover that I was trans. I was never in the closet. It really took me figuring it out. Um And once I realized I was trans, I finally just, it was like I could take a breath or like a breath of fresh air and a sigh of relief and just like, oh, this is what's going on. Finally, it took me so fucking long to get here. Like, what the hell? I didn't figure it out until my early 20s. I think it was about early 20s. I think it was like 23. (laughs) Funny enough, I've realized that when I was going to college at a women's college, it was all women's (laughs) college. So... That is just a hilarious little Oops. piece of trivia. Um, and I realized it a year before I graduated while I was at an all-women's college. And so I just kind of stayed relatively in the closet. But, I mean, it was kind of obvious that there was stuff going on. 
so that feels like a sigh of relief to just be myself. But, oh my gosh, it is just... If I could describe being trans in, in like, a visual metaphor, it's like walking through a muddy... Like, walking through muddy water sometimes. Like, sometimes when you walk through it, you're able to kind of walk easily through it but sometimes you hit this like super muddy patch when you sink your foot in to two inches of mud and it just kind of sinks in and then it kicks up a bunch of mud and instead of the mud being or the water being clear it's all of a sudden clouded with you know dirt well dirt well (laughs) mud silt Silt, thank you (laughs) and it's just you just kind of and then it gets deeper and then you kind of just have to keep going through it because sometimes it's a lot easier to be you know it's a lot easier and sometimes it's just difficult. And I think the reason I use that analogy is because it's just constant. Sometimes it's just figuring like navigating these areas that are super muddy and there's seriously no handbook for this shit and you just figure it out. I think, I think, I think that really comes down to having conversations with people. For instance, when we and I came out to your parents. That was yeah. something I had never realized that I would have to do before. Um, being in a long-term relationship with someone and having to be honest with their parents and oh, you mean like you you knew parents. you would be coming you'd be coming out to people in your own life, yeah, but like you my just own hadn't life. thought about coming yeah, out to, to yeah. like uh, you know other people's. Other people, you know, if I was friends with someone, why would I come out to their parents? Right, yeah. You know, but if I have, like, a a very attractive love interest, (laughs) it would only make sense that I would come out to their parents because I just need to be myself and they're going to find out because because my they're going to be my family and my family obviously knows. And so, man, it's such a – I wish there was almost – I had a succinct answer to this, but, you know – so that's one of the that's one of the muddy parts then. One of the muddy parts is realizing throughout your life that you're constantly going to be coming out to people forever. <sighs> it does get easier, but not always. Sometimes you have what I like to call trans days, which once in a blue moon you just get really fucking upset about this shit. There was one time when I came home from the doctor's office and I was just like basically like so angry and really pissed off and in tears because this doctor's office I go to in Portland, they're really great. The first appointment I had, I learned new shit about how to do my injection. But but, but what ended up happening is they put my gender marker incorrect. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I talked to them about it. So I, you know, I talked to a couple people and then I guess like some manager came and talked to me about it. And I was like, look, I've been transitioning, quote unquote transitioning. I've been at a doctor's office for over, I've been doing this for over six years. I have never come across a doctor's office that put my incorrect gender marker on my, on my prescription. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it's something that we're trying to work with our program on the program, you know, the program that we use is out of Iowa. So, or Idaho, and we have to use their standards, which are whatever markers on your birth certificate is what holds. And I was like, so Basically, I kind of like paused and I looked at him. I was like, so basically, because of this, I have to take this script to my pharmacy, possibly come out to my pharmacy, Mm -hmm. to my pharmacist in front of people and have them submit it to insurance. And I might have this big kickback from insurance with all these fucking issues because the gender marker here can't be changed, even though I have never run into this issue before. And he said, yeah. And I was like, (laughs) you know, that looks shitty from your standpoint. 
I was like, I, I said, I was like, you know, that looks bad for you guys. And I said that, I think he was really surprised that I said that. And you were in the that. waiting room. Like I, the oh my God. I was in like the waiting room. So they're like fucking people like watching this conversation. And I was like, so kind of livid. And there were people in the waiting room, like listening to this conversation happen. And I just knew, I was like, if I didn't say that phrase of like, you know, this looks bad on you guys that I couldn't. Like, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't actually say mm-hmm. that. I just needed to get it out. I'm like, this is bullshit. I have, I've never come across this before. Why is this such an issue? I came home and I was like in tears and I was just like so mad and just, it might seem to some people as like, it's just an F, like just get over, like it's just an F on a script. Like who cares? Like get over it. I was like, but it's, it's more than that. It's like, I had to go through so much work to get all that shit changed on my legal documents and to have to keep coming up against that, like almost, you know, I'm like over the five year hump. So I'm like at some point going to go into a decade, you know, I'm on my way to like a decade of being on hormones and like going through all this stuff. Is that like even this far in, I'm still going to come across this. It was just like, God, this is just like such fucking bullshit. And I just felt like really upset and that it was just always something that I'm always going to have to navigate. And like one of the it was one of my trans days which is just like a day where you just get fucking fed up with this shit and you just kind of lose it and you're really upset Mm -hmm. and you ride it out and then the next day you get like you feel better and you're kind of over it and then like you know at some point again it might happen it doesn't happen nearly as much i think now it happens like maybe once every six months or really once a year which is a really good track record Mm -hmm. before i had um top surgery it used to happen like i would try to like disassociate as much as possible but it would happen like every couple weeks mm. um if not like honestly if not like a couple times a week yeah. um and then after i got top surgery it basically disappeared and i got it i would have like a trance like what i would call another trance type of trance day is like i have a really hard time accepting my body as it is um usually that would be in relation to like the way i see pictures of how males quote unquote are supposed to look um and, like, sometimes even, like, other trans guys, like, going on, like, the internet, going down the internet rabbit hole of, like, looking up trans guys having top surgery and how, like, mine doesn't look like theirs and, it like, looks a little different because, like, I had a couple stitches, like, pop um, while it was healing. So, like, I have, like, a decent amount of scarring, but it's not, you know, it's not, that like, that bad. It still looks good, but I, like, would feel insecure about it. Uh, so those are kind of things that, like, that's... Like, the trans experience is kind of, like, having those things continuously come up and realizing that that is something you're always going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. That, like, I'm always going to have to come up come up against some bureaucratic bullshit. Like, once in a blue moon, I might have some issue with my association with, with my body. Um, I also, like, every person I come out to, I might have to feel these questions. It's sometimes it's, you just get exhausted. Like, you just get fucking exhausted. And it is so much easier to live in a place like Portland where it's a lot more in the cultural consciousness and like finding the community here was not that difficult for me um and I can't imagine living in a place where like a really really conservative place where it would be a matter of safety Mm -hmm. if someone knew that I was trans Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's my experience (laughs) Uh so so the good news is that it gets better Right. Yeah, yeah. There's that whole like it gets better campaign, but it does. I think the biggest thing, um, I'll tell this story. This is I think is very important. So when I realized I was trans, um, 
I had this kind of like moment with myself because when I realized I was trans, you kind of like, I feel like I felt like I was at the bottom of this giant mountain looking up at the peak. Right. And I'm like at the bottom of this, you know, winding path. And I'm kind of looking up like, Oh my God, I have to climb this mountain. And I'm like, all right, here I go. And I like start walking Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'd only been so happy up to that point in my early twenties where I had basically tried on like every certain identity I like, you know, from grade school on, I tried like being a punk and then being a hippie and then like having a mohawk and like being a combination of the two and then being a raver and then, mm-hmm. you know, like coming out as a lesbian being like, oh, I'm actually bi. And then just like always being like, then like really leaning into like my masculinity and then like trying, like, you know, be doing the gender queer thing, not like doing the gender queer thing. That sounds super offensive, but <laughs> it's, just, it's super Thanks, offensive. Babe. That was really good. My <laughs> apologies. But identifying as gender queer, and when I identified as identified as gender queer, it didn't fit, like it didn't work for me. I was like, there's something like this isn't this isn't fit. Mm-hmm. Like there's something not working here. And then when I realized I was trans, like a trans man, trans man, I was like, oh, okay, we're good. No, we're good. Like I figured it out. Um. But it was at that point after I realized I was a trans man that and I was with, you know, my girlfriend at the time, um, who's a lesbian. And, you know, the one thing that I, I told myself, I was like, look, I have a shot, just a shot at being happier than I am today in this moment. And like if I have a shot at being any happier than like doing all this work is in transitioning is absolutely worth it. That was, like, the biggest guiding thing through um, going through, you know, therapy and seeking out a doctor and then going through, like, the whole awkward second puberty <laughs> phase, which is totally a thing that happens when you're trans. <laughs> people, like, yeah, like, I don't think a lot of people understand that. It's, like, literally you go through puberty a second time. Like, it's awful. Fun. It's awful. <laughs> like, let's talk about mood swings and irritability, folks. Let's talk about it in your early to mid-20s again. <laughs> You didn't, you didn't get like, you didn't get to like escape it completely. So, um, that's something that I think is really important to say, because I think that, you know, the one positive thing about it is that anyone who's known me and seen me through the whole process and knew me before has always said that you're like, you're just so much happier. You're just so much happier than I've ever seen you. Um, and you're just like so much more yourself. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I feel like so much happier like I just feel like myself and honestly I just feel like I can get the fuck on with life man like I don't have to like think about this shit anymore you know I feel like so much of my time was spent thinking about being trans and getting like working towards getting surgery which is a thing which there is like a fuck you want to talk about an uphill battle let's talk about transgender surgery and how much of a fucking bureaucratic uphill battle (laughs) that shit can be seriously it is a nightmare um and that like once I started kind of like you know, going through these, like, motions of, like, getting to this point and getting to these, like, kind of mile markers from a time, you know, from a time perspective and work perspective that with kind of each mile marker I hit, I was just, like, significantly happier and just more myself. And I finally felt like I could finally, you know, get over the quote, get over being trans, just, like, start existing as a human. Yeah. And ask myself, what do I really want out of life? Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do for a hobby? What do I want to do to, like, help and impact others? What do I want to do from a career standpoint? You know, what excites me as a human? You know, when you're not trans or if you haven't gone through that kind of process as far as, you know, if you're, quote, 
within the norm of being like a heterosexual let's say like a heterosexual white person, person like a heterosexual cisgendered person like you've possibly never had to think of and like challenging the things that like you've never had to really challenge your individual identity to such a degree that that took up like a significant part of your life yeah um and some people don't necessarily have that experience some a lot of a lot of their experience can be dealing with that before they actually realize what they're really into yeah um and it really is just about like we just want to I feel like myself, and I would say this with some of my other trans brothers, is that, like, I just want to fucking live, man. I just want to, like, be treated normally and get the same benefits as everyone else and be just as protected legally as everyone else so I can move on with my fucking life. Like, that's literally as simple as it can come. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, some fucking agenda. It's just, like, we just want to be fucking treated equally. It's not that hard. Yeah. You need to, like, think about that shit for a moment. <laughs> yeah, you want to just get up on Mondays and go to work and then come home and have your dinner and go to sleep and get up the Yeah, next where's day my sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> okay, patriarchy. I know. Fucking, I am part of the patriarchy, too. That's a weird, that's, a, like, another, it's a separate conversation. No, but thank you for that. I think that was a really, really yeah. excellent, excellent point. Yeah, you just, you know, it's just like you just want to live. You want to do what excites you. But when you're trans, there's certain barriers that you have to come across because there's certain things you have to think about as far as like, you know, if I'm interested in this, is there a safety issue? Am I going to have to come out with to people? Are they going to be accepting? Like, is this career field going to be like blatantly sexist, transphobic and homophobic? Mm -hmm. Who are the people I'm going to encounter? If I'm with a group of people, are they going to be at risk if it's a safety perspective? I mean, these are the things you have to think about, you know, and you and you think about Instead of just like, if you're a heterosexual, cisgendered white person, you may not have ever thought about that because it's not something that, you know, exists in your experience. And that is okay. but there are some people where that's not their experience and there needs to be some understanding and work towards making the norm be like, be that that issue doesn't exist for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I think about that. That was the short answer. That was that was the short answer. That is the short answer, yeah. So Well thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) Does that happen in all your interviews? The ending sentence is like I love you. Yeah, totally did that by accident. I mean that's amazing. Just you say I love you by accident? Yep. (laughs) That's great. Hey, you know what? I'll take it. And bye bye. Aaron so much for um, coming on the podcast to share your story. So now um, in between interviews, um, I wanted to share some words from uh, members of my Instagram community. So I posted on Instagram a couple days ago asking what uh, trans and gender nonconforming people in my community would say this week to cis people and to trans people. I asked what do you want cis people to know this week? And what do you want other trans people to know this week? So I want to share some of those responses. I have enlisted uh, some help from Erin. We're going to take turns reading the comments to help differentiate between them. I'm going to share what they answered to the first question, what they want cis people to know this week first. So cis allies, listen up. 
Trans people have existed for as long as humans have been around. We're nothing new. I want cis people to know that not everything can be centered around what type of genitals someone has. It's one of the most harmful things that has to stop for trans people to truly have a place. Everyone is different. Everyone is a certain balance of masculinity and femininity. The individual can express that in any way or pronouns they like. If you have a hard time remembering to use or aren't sure about pronouns or gender, please just use they or my name. Apologizing constantly but not using the right pronouns does so much more harm. And also, if you have known someone for 10 years and know that the trans fluid person goes by another name, say they use it on Facebook or you heard them introduce themselves with it to another person, don't assume you have some privilege to call them by a potentially dead name. For cisgender people, understand that trans people aren't always able to vocalize their concerns and be heard. Just because no one called you out or asked you to educate yourself doesn't mean you are a perfect ally with no learning to do. When you are later confronted with evidence that you may have said or done something offensive, please don't respond by using the silence of other trans people who witnessed what you said or did as evidence of no wrongdoing. The stakes for trans people are high when it comes to calling out behavior of cis people, unlike for cis people calling out other cis people. Which leads to another point. Educate other cis people. That was in all caps. Give them resources. Offer them advice. Uh, Make them understand the importance of trans rights. More often than not, cis people are the only ones really being listened to about trans issues. Use your privilege. And here's what they had to say to their other trans and gender nonconforming siblings. Your transness is not conditional upon you pursuing medical interventions. You are and will always be trans enough, whatever you do. For my trans folks, I love you all. Never stop. You'll always find your place. Just please keep going. Trans people aren't going anywhere. You're amazing. Literally proof of spirit. Trans people don't necessarily need medical interventions, and same goes for dysphoria. However, I do find even cis people have dysphoria. They just call them insecurities. People can be dysphoric about infinite things because of patriarchal conditioning. You are valid in any shape you take at any part of your life's journey. To trans people... Your sense of worth and your personal magic are not dictated by cis people. Despite what culture, media, and politics will try to make you feel, your identity is connected to a long legacy of gender revolutionaries who fought and felt for you, even if you did not exist yet. Take pride in that history. Learn about it. Feel it in your body and mind. That last one was from H.J. Tarot, which is Harvey James, who is uh, the next clip that you'll hear. Um, And um, I didn't uh, state the identities of the other people who shared those comments um, with me on my Instagram. Um, I had posted that they would be anonymous unless uh, stated otherwise. And I know from Harvey that it was okay that I said those were theirs. So... Thank you for everyone who shared your 
thoughts, your words um, with me in those comments and in my DMs. I appreciate all of you so much and I'm constantly wowed by the amazing queer and trans and GNC uh, community that I found on Instagram. Truly, it has changed my world. And uh, now uh, we're going to go over to Harvey James of Harvey James Tarot to hear about their work with Transcestors. Here you go. So Harvey, like I've observed on your Instagram, um, you do all this work with Transcestors. with trans ancestors, with queer ancestors. And so I was wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit with us about your practice there. Um, Well, first of all, disclaimer, uh, my whole entire experience with transcestor work started literally like last year. So Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert and definitely like, I don't know everything about everything, but nobody does. So (laughs) with that disclaimer, um, <laughs> no one will sue you, <laughs> right? right? Nobody sue Harvey. <laughs> right, no one will sue me because, um, because yeah, any any reason, please. Don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started with transistor work uh, last year because um, about last year because uh, November twentieth is the Transgender Day of Remembrance, and at the time, as I was like leading up to that date, like I knew it was coming, and I knew I wanted to do something for it because the year prior, I had basically just like sat at my house and been sad. It was, it was not a good time. And so um, for like brief context, like Transgender Day of Remembrance is a, a day designated to like honoring and like honoring people who, trans people who have died because of transgender, like transphobic related violence and also kind of bringing that into the public conversation, like talking about just how much life is lost due to transphobic violence and transphobia in, in society. Um, so I was, I was like, I don't want to just sit at my house and do nothing. I want to do something. And I happened to just accidentally run into a post on Tumblr about, uh, transgender right of elevation, which was like a nine day spirit work ritual type situation that was happening with a bunch of different, like anybody could do it if they wanted to, and they could post pictures and talk about it. But it was like, cultivated by a bunch of like trans and queer spirit workers who are like wanting to use this time to honor like transgender people who had had died and I was like this is something it's something unlike anything I've done within my spiritual practice but I was so interested in doing it and at the time I was literally living in a basement and a lot of my stuff was in storage and I was just having these feelings of like I don't have all my tools I don't have my space I feel like like it's I can't get like truly in the space that I want to do to do this work like you know I was feeling very not prepared to engage with it and then I just had this thought like doing something's better than doing nothing which I think is like a you know a great motto to have with any sort of spiritual work like just start doing it because eventually it'll arrive at a place that you're happy with um but so I I engaged with it and I I for the nine days or eight days leading up to it and the day of the transgender day of remembrance um I meditated and I journaled and I used divination and I just like there's this beautiful practice in that uh, rite of elevation where you start your altar on the floor and then every day you raise it up with like a book and then on the last day you put it on to 
your altar or a higher shelf or something like that. So like you're physically elevating the ancestors. And I thought that that was just the most beautiful symbolic thing. So I, I did that. And then I learned a lot from it and I felt very involved with it. And it, it gave me a lot of like solace, especially at a time where I felt really like uprooted. Like I wasn't living in a, a necessarily stable place and I didn't have everything that I owned at my disposal. Like I was just sort of out of sorts and it really grounded me in that way. Um, but I had the most beautiful experience uh, towards the end where I, I, I'm like pretty much always carrying like crystals in my pocket. Um, and normally at the end of the day, I take them out and I set them somewhere so they can like diffuse from the day's <laughs> energy and then put them back and then pick up new ones the next day. Um, and for some reason, the night before the day of remembrance, I had decided to leave a piece of uh, blue lace agate in my pocket. And I was just like, I don't like, I'm not going to take it out for whatever reason. And the next day I had the opportunity to visit a like vigil slash, slash memorial that like a local college campus was having. Mm -hmm. And it was emotional and upsetting in the most like, like it, it's not a good feeling, but I felt good that I could go. Mm -hmm. um, and they just happened to, unbeknownst to me previously, have a little altar set up in the center of the room. And they were like, if you feel inclined to leave anything like you can leave things and it was like I knew that that's where it was supposed to go and ever since then like that has been like an ally of my transistor practice and similarly like during the divination portion I kept getting like I was using Pixie's Astounding Lenormand which I'm not I don't know how to read Lenormand like I'm just kind of using it definitely the wrong way but <laughs> um I kept getting like the child and the bear and I kept thinking about it within this context of like where do we need protected and where do we need to use our like abilities to protect others or where do we feel vulnerable and where do we feel strong mm -hmm. both us as people as trans people or queer people and speaking for the transcestors like what can we do for them and what are they doing for us and like what is that reciprocal action so like then again like the the symbol of the bear has become like a sort of following symbol with that and like i i just got a reading from uh, Jordan, the sin Sincerely the Tarot reading, and uh, one of the cards I got was the Hierophant, and it had a bear on it, and I was like, I'm, <gasps> I am flying directly into the sun, like, I was so, like, ah, like, <laughs> it's everywhere, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit nervous, because we're, we're leading up to that point now, and I'm having those same nerves of, like, but what if I don't do it exactly the right way I want to do it, but, like, I'm ignoring that, I'm gonna do it, <laughs> I'm going to do that right again. And it's going to be so great to devote time to that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think like that was really my start with transistor work. Um, and I think ever since then, I've just become a lot more aware in the ways that, that the queer spirit is like all connected. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I see that spirit in, in everything now, like in times where like, I just attended um, like a rally recently about the, hate to bring this up, but like the, 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 the memo, the infamous memo about how trans people yeah. don't exist. Um, mm -hmm. and I was there just surrounded by a bunch of trans people and allies just like feeling that heavy energy. And I was like, they're here. Like that energy is here. Like they are right here with us, like losing their minds about this and just like <sighs> the energy, all the energy was mixing together. I was just in love with it. And, and similarly, when I'm having like a non-triumphant time, like you know, I work in retail, I'm dealing with people all day and I, I can't count how many times I've had interactions with people where they've misgendered me 
but specifically times where they like take offense to the fact that they can't tell what gender I am. Um, and I have these uncomfortable interactions with people where I get um, he, she, itted, you know, oh. like people do that kind of thing. And it's like the like rage and uncomfort that I'm feeling like at, in those moments, I'm called to remember like the truth of the matter, which is like, this person is so uncomfortable with not being able to immediately peg me as male or female. Like, my existence is like shaking their foundation. Like my presence in the world is doing that to them. And like, that's not a bad thing. And like, that has always existed. Like anybody doing anything gender nonconforming, all of these gender nonconforming and queer and trans ancestors who lived in times where doing one thing or another, like that set them apart in a way that like shook society mm -hmm. and made people so afraid and, and so upset. And it's like, as unfortunate as the narrative is for a lot of those people, as far as like the violence and the issues that they face because of it, like it's a reminder of like how continually throughout history, like this narrative of like, I'm being me and that scares you because you can't figure it out. It doesn't have to. I wish you could understand that it doesn't have to scare you. Like I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely like, I feel that collective queer spirit in that way. And like the idea of just like, bringing that into my conscious mind and trying to remind myself of my connection to that, like that in and of itself, I feel like is an act of honoring uh, ancestors. you know, whether it be like, I'm feeling very empowered right now, or like I'm checking my privilege and realizing that like, maybe I didn't think about, you know, some other people that are connected through that same thread of like queer spirit, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thanks again to Harvey James of Harvey James Tarot, who is practically my co-host this month. <laughs> uh, they've been on uh, uh, my last episode with a little announcement about Trans Day of Remembrance. Here they are again on this one. And then next week uh, is the full interview um, with Harvey James. We talked for like almost two hours because we're both air signs. So there was a ton of content and it was all amazing. So Thank you again, Harvey. Uh, you can find Harvey at harveyjamestarot.com or at hjtarot on Instagram. Um, and uh, you can also find uh, my babe, Erin Caffey, <laughs> on Instagram at tarot.ranger. Um, he doesn't have a website yet. We're working on it. Not really. He doesn't want a website. Whatever. <laughs> um before I start to talk about my own gender identity, I want to first recognize my privilege. I'm white, uh, and I'm cis-passing, and I'm heterosexual-passing because I present as femme and because my partner is a trans man who passes easily. We benefit from that cis-het privilege every day. Um, and, you know... A weird side effect of those privileges is that both my gender identity and my sexual orientation are invisible. I do not identify as a woman. I identify as non-binary. I prefer the pronoun they. I also identify as gay, even though I'm not sure if I can be gay if I'm non-binary because what does it mean to be attracted to the same sex when you're non-binary and 
you're with a trans man, you know, gray air language is insufficient, y'all. But the point is, when I walk down the street every day, I am being um, perceived as a cisgender woman. People think I am a cisgender woman and then I am heterosexual. And that illusion keeps me safe from homophobic and transphobic discrimination and violence. But it also causes me a lot of discomfort and a weird kind of gender dysphoria because I'm being seen as the wrong gender. And I don't know what I can do about that. So I feel powerless. And, you know, that's, that invisibility means that I am misgendered all the time. Um, I am certainly not alone in this. Anyone who is genderqueer has experienced being misgendered and knows of the discomfort and and pain that it can cause. So as a, a non-binary person, I often exist in a, um, I feel like I often exist in a middle ground, a, a sort of gray area where I feel like um, I'm not queer enough to be trans, but I'm way too queer to be cis. And uh, a lot of the time, historically speaking, these these two things have led me to keep my head down and not um, not show up and and you know speak my truth uh, to not feel like I deserve to um, ask people to refer to me as the correct pronoun uh, to not ask people to refer to me as they because um, I I've even said like these words have come out of my mouth I've said you know, well, like, what right do I have to ask to be called they when I'm making very little effort to change my appearance from femme? Like, whoa, (laughs) that is, um, that is some self-invalidation that is, uh, like, I can only, can only think is instilled in me, indoctrinated in me by the patriarchy (laughs) and, by our uh, culture that has for so long subsisted on the idea of the binary and probably some internalized shit about like making things easier for other people because I was, you know, raised female and we're taught to be nice and make everything easy for other folks. So anyway, fuck the patriarchy. Um, So I didn't think like I, I, I didn't think I deserved to call myself gender nonconforming, gender queer, even just plain old queer. I thought since I am able to pass so easily as cisgender, I hadn't like earned a seat at the queer table, so to speak. I perceived this pressure, which was possibly just coming from myself. I've, I perceived this pressure to be more visibly gender queer in um in order to like uh prove myself. Or something and I know I'm not the only person who has felt this way and this also caused me to deny my truth for a really really long time because I kept invalidating myself I kept undermining myself and I was kind of stuck in this um, conception of the binary which I knew to be a construct I knew that gender was a spectrum and it was much more varied than just two polar uh, male and female opposites. I I knew it was much different than that, but it just gets so ingrained in us 
that I was I was sort of stuck there. So I would like um, I thought you know well I I don't identify as a woman that doesn't feel right, but I definitely definitely am not a man. So and I look like a woman and I don't do much to change that so then I must be a woman (laughs) you know um so I you know I lived in a lot of sort of like cognitive dissonance and suppressed pain for a lot of years because of this um so why the fuck am I talking about this um it's you know in the hopes that if there's someone else out there like um, like I was um, not even that long ago, just a few years ago, who is um, trying to force themselves to be a um, to ge- to be a gender that they don't feel is true to them, I want them to um, know that they don't have to. And that even if if they don't identify in the binary, fine, beautiful, perfect. Um, and if they, you know, want to, I don't know, have long hair, and if there's qualities that make them look femme or look mask, um, that does not mean that they are a woman or that they are a man. Um, gender is so much more versatile and beautiful and varied and it contains multitudes. <laughs> it contains multitudes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, in my brain, gender is a construct. <laughs> what we call male and female are energies and qualities that exist in all of us, regardless of and completely independent of our sexual organs. I don't feel like having long hair makes me female or even femme. I don't feel like binding my breasts makes me male or even masculine. I fluidly embody these qualities we call masculine and feminine. They rise and fall in me like moods. They are both in me, but they are not all of me. The simplest way I can describe how I feel I am um, is not even with the word non-binary or agender or gender fluid. It's just simply human. That's how I think of myself as human and, and all that entails. Changeable, imperfect, evolving, messy, variable, a soul wrapped in a body, temporarily calling it home. I'm not male. I'm not female. I'm human. So are you. So are we all. Only you get to define you. And whatever, whoever you decide that is, it is perfect. You are perfect. <sighs> you are magical. Stay fucking magic. Bye. You've been listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. 
their album Itty Bitty Spaces is out now. The Word Witch is written, produced, and recorded by me, Claire Burgess. Our logo is designed by me too. Editing and tech support come from Danu Vino. You can follow The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch. You can book tarot readings, find out about upcoming classes, and join our newsletter at thewordwitchtarot.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash thewordwitchtarot. For as little as $1, you'll receive collective tarot readings, tarot and astro content, downloads of my zines, and podcast outtakes and extras. Plus, you'll help make this podcast possible and help support a working witch. If you have a question for The Word Witch, email us at thewordwitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay magical. Trying to shoot the moon There's another thing we've got That's just a piece of spoon My, my babe Unprofessional <laughs> name My secondary <laughs> name is babe <laughs> That's your official title Official title, babe Right Babe the first Babe the first Babe the only There we go, that's the first all and last There we go <laughs> um, Babe the infinity we're just flirting now on my podcast. I'm going to apologize ahead of time for our flirtatious banter that's going to happen throughout this interview. <laughs> I am sure of it. We're just this is just audio foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I'll probably edit this. Let's edit. Out. We might want to edit I'll this out. Edit okay. This <laughs>